Amen. This is the spirit of whom we have been speaking all summer long in our series, and, uh, and I'm thrilled you're with us today because we are at the conclusion today of our summer-long series, Bear Fruit. Jesus says, if you abide in me and then let me abide in you, you will bear much fruit. It is a promise, and uh, I hope this uh, series has been a great learning experience for you, it has been for me. I got to tell you, I, I really, as we've been diving into this fruit of the Spirit, um, what it means to abide in Christ and what it means to allow Him to feed and to nourish us, uh, to transform us from the inside out through His Holy Spirit. That's what He's up to in, in all of our lives. That's what He's up to. And so I've been excited uh, by the feedback that I've been getting from uh, many of you folks. Uh, it's exciting. Um, just the different ways that uh, this diving into these scriptures has, has challenged many of you and opened up a whole new world of, of, of really growing in your faith. It's, it's helped me. It's been, I've been growing in my faith uh, through this too. This morning, we are at the very end of this famous passage. We are talking about self-control. I have tried to push it off as long as possible, just in hopes because maybe I could be like, oh, we ran out of time in the series. Oh, something else came up really important. Sorry. Alas, it has arrived unavoidably. Um, no, but I think it's, I actually think it's very good. See, self-control, we're going to learn today. By being last on the list, I actually feel like it redeems in a way. It redeems the whole rest of the list so that these fruits of the Spirit that we've been talking about don't just become, end up becoming sort of this list of sort of narcissistic pleasures that we, you know, we just enjoy, you know, how to live your best life and experience more peace and joy and love every day and, you know, just rock the world. We've been saying all along that all of these fruits, in, in a very real sense, all the fruits on this list are, are really expressions of one fruit, the first one on that list, and that is the fruit of love. They're all just expressions of love. But there's something about self-control that helps us go back and rightly define what love is. It helps us define what love is and not allow us to sort of redefine love in, in just sort of narcissistic terms. And so that's what we're talking about today. So self-control, let's dive into it a little bit here. Um, when we talk about self-control, the word in the original language literally means dominion within. Dominion within. It's, it's mastery of oneself uh, that comes from within oneself. Mastery of yourself that comes from within yourself. It's not some external force, you know, restraining you, controlling you. It's something that is inside self. There's something self-restraining here. So when you think about it, for the normal world, the normal human being who just goes about life, when you would ask that person about self-control, uh, basically what you would be saying is willpower, right? That's a common term in our society, willpower. Do you have willpower? And the world uh, can, you know, try their best to do, have willpower. Uh, it's basically mind over matter, taking charge of your own impulses. But for the Christian who's abiding in Christ, he's abiding in you, we're talking about something that's much more powerful, much more meaningful to help you manage, help all of us manage our, our impulses and control our desires. Remember, this is not, this series has not been about the, the nine ways to discover, you know, your own self-help methods, you know, to, to get better. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so it's the Holy Spirit who is empowering this work. Every single one of these fruits of the Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit who is empowering us to do this. 
But as we've also seen, as choice makers, we're not just robots in this situation, we're choice makers, we're a partner in this relationship with God, we're a partner. So we have the responsibility to, to give ourselves fully to it. We do have a part to play. We have to be willing to be disciplined in this area of self-control. I'm an image bearer of Christ. You're an image bearer of Christ. That's what the Bible calls you, an image bearer. And so that means that you can have power over yourself, your own passions and desires. Those passions and desires do not rule me. It is possible for me to rule them. And this is what the Holy Spirit, I think, wants to breathe into us and help us with. Now, when we're talking about something like this, uh, let's just right off the bat, let's get, you know, address the elephant in the room, which is usually when you talk about self-control, people start talking about gluttony. And uh, yes, I guess I, I'll be the elephant in the room here. Maybe not an elephant, okay? Maybe just, can we just say like a cuddly buffalo or something like that? <laughs> not quite an elephant, but yes. Um, but here's the, lest this morning just become this big, uh, you know, shame-inducing piling on the chubby guy. Uh, remember, I want you just to remember something. We can't judge one another based on how successful we are at self-control in a particular area. Okay, because that might not be an area of temptation. It's not the same areas of temptation, right? All of us are wired really differently, aren't we? We're wired differently. For instance, some of us actually just don't think that much about food. It's true. And so for you, temptation with food isn't really that hard for you. But something else is our issue. Um, you, uh, for the person whose struggle is food, though, and I can talk from experience for that, you may fail, but you can't just look at that person and say, oh, wow, what, you know, what a lack of self-control that guy has. No, 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 because what we don't know is the, the dozen or so times, you know, that day of exercising great and exhausting, excruciating self-control, right? And so, and, and that's just my morning, right? 12, 13, 14 times of exercising self-control. So by the time I get to lunch, I have already passed like 14 or 15 restaurants with like incredible, I know that chorizo's on the menu. So it's, I'm exhausted by the time I get to two or three in the afternoon. Um, so we can't look at that other person and say, uh, well, obviously they lack willpower, right? Because we don't know how, how exhausted that person is at the end of the day, practicing what self-control they do have uh, to keep themselves from becoming twice as heavy as they are, <laughs> right? Um, and then there's folks like my wife, my wife, Mel, who is wired just the opposite. She's amazing. Um, she'll be close to dinner at night and go, did I eat anything today? I don't know if I ate today. Um, I should probably eat something, as though it's a punishment, <laughs> right? And I'm just looking at her like, yes, treat your body well, eat, eat some stuff, right? Um, you should sit down and eat. It's just amazing. So yeah, so for me, it's food. I wake up in the morning and one of my first thoughts is I wonder what edible delights the Lord will put across my path. <laughs> and, for, and some days that's motivation to get up just to see what's going to happen there. Uh, and then of course, begins the hourly battle of self-control, the self-control, and I'm exhausted by lunchtime. For, for others of you, it might be more serious things. For others of you, it might be alcohol. You might uh, have a battle there. That's your hidden or private 
uh, area of battle. For other people, it's narcotics. For other people, it might be prescription drug abuse, illegal substances of any kind. Uh, for some folks, it's sexual addiction. Uh, it's pornography. For some people, it's not things that just hurt you. It's things that actually have a terrible detrimental effect on others around you. Some of you, your expression of the loss of self-control is, is you've become abusive to the people around you. You might become abusive verbally or physically because you've allowed yourself to have this sort of power over relationship with somebody. Um, some people, it might be theft. I, I've known this. You, can't just seem to, you just can't seem to control yourself from stealing whenever the opportunity is there. There's a variety of areas in everyone's life where we may be able to relate to here is my, my battle of self-control. And so rather than judge one another, we need to walk this path together in humility, in love, and knowing, okay, God, my, my struggle may not be there. That may not be my issue. But what people don't realize is I do have this issue here. And you know, God, you know about this thing, this struggle. And, and I'm struggling to restrain myself here. You know, for other people, uh, it might be different kinds of media. It might be social media, television. Uh, this might be out of control. Video games, right? Uh, I, kn I know, you know, grown adults who spend way too much time in front of the Xbox. Um, it's, and we just don't know when to say enough, when to say when, uh, or when to how to make healthy choices. For some folks, it's an addiction to comfort. It's an addiction to control. It's an addiction. Some folks have an addiction to affirmation, just needing to be praised. Um, some folks, it's self-expression. Self-expression. Some of us are addicted to self-expression. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, these are the folks that are, bless their heart, they're just like, I just have to let you know everything going through my mind right now everything about me. I have to let you know. I have to tell you. I have to, wait, another thought just crossed my mind. Let me tell you about that thought too. Um, and somehow, you know, we can even tell ourselves this, this thing of self-expression is like a noble thing because we're being authentic with folks. When actually what it can do is actually get to the point where it's just not loving, right? Because there's no generosity. There's no give and take. So you don't have to lie. You just don't have to tell us everything. Amen? For some folks, it's gossip. We'll move right along there. For some folks, it's gambling, right? Others, it's addiction to buying things. That rush of walking out of the store with a new thing or hearing like the doorbell or that little alert on your phone that says the thing has just been dropped off on the porch. Uh-huh, right? We live in an age where there's like a whole new, new you know, wor world of, of addiction to just stuff of things coming. And that's one of the new vices of the 21st century. It doesn't even really matter what it is, right? It's not like you're addicted to the thing itself. It's the thing being added to your life that like fills up the hole in your soul. It's something just being added that we can like, we get that little endorphin rush. Some of us have an addiction to newness, right? The model. Uh, my iPhone is six months old, right? I know there's a new one out there. I need the new one, right? I need a new one. I need an upgrade. It just feels old. I need the new model. Have you seen the new model, right? Or cars, right? I need the new thing. Some people, it's like that with their spouses. I need the new model. I need something, <laughs> you know, I need an upgrade. Negativity is some of our addictions. Some of us, we can't stop being negative. If we weren't negative, we just wouldn't know how we were being ourselves anymore. If we didn't have some good critical things to say about things going on around us, Right? We need to have something to complain about to feel alive. Some people, it might be smoking. 
It could be self-help. Some people self-help. Like, I just got to read one more magazine. I got to read one more book, one more blog or website about this thing. Some of us, it could be work. The idea of what am I accomplishing? I've got to accomplish. What am I doing? We can lack self-control in a lot of different ways. Uh, We can lack self-control in an addiction to people praising us for something. And it's hard, I understand. So we can't necessarily judge one another. But we do want to judge ourselves. We want to assess ourselves and be honest about our own struggles. So hopefully as we're speaking here, Holy Spirit might be bringing some things up to you. We're not going to go around and say, everybody, tell us your area. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I hope. I hope. Open your Bibles with me if you have them to Galatians chapter 5. So we're going to look at it. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 is where this famous scripture of the fruit of the Spirit is <clears throat> that we've been looking at. But we're going to go back and look at verse 1. There's a very bold statement made here. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. <clears throat> Excuse me. Don't go back to the bondage you were in. He's he's talking to a church. He's talking to Christians, people who have just been saved. The church is brand new. So he's talking to brand new converts here. Don't go back to the bondage you're in. Now, the slavery Paul's talking about here is twofold. First of all, yes, he's talking about the slavery from sin, that bondage to sin. But he's also talking about a bondage to religion. Don't go back to that bondage from religion. You remember, these are, most of these people are going to be converted uh, Jewish people. So they're, they're coming out of the law, right? The Torah. Oh, thank you so much. Um, don't go back to, to, you know, trying to get the, the chains of religion to, to keep you in line. It, it, the law doesn't work. You, you know what the law can do in religion? And here we can even talk about Christian religion. Religion can, it can keep you in line. It can force a certain behavior from you. But I hope you know if you've been in our series, that's not really what our goal is here. Uh, there will be behavior change as we walk in the Spirit. But that's not, that's, not our, that's not where we start, right? That is one of the results of flowing in the fruit of the Spirit, right? So religion can force a certain kind of behavior, but it doesn't change your heart. It's still slavery. It's still slavery. Let's jump down to verse 13. Paul says, you, my brothers and sisters, so he's talking to you and me, you were called to be free. Just soak in that for a second. You were called to be free. That is your purpose. That is your true identity. You're called to be free. You were meant to be free. So being un- unfree, <laughs> being, being in bondage, that's not your true self. That's not your true identity. That's a false identity. It's an old identity. You're called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Here's a great example right here how self-control, this fruit of self-control, is an expression of love. As all these fruits are, they're an expression of love. Serve one another humbly in love. That's agape love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. He'll go on in this chapter Uh, to list the fruit of the Spirit, to talk about living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. We won't go through all that for time's sake. Uh, We'll read some of these scriptures more in home life this week. And then jump ahead to chapter 6. He continues his conversation. He says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. God can't be mocked. That's an interesting phrase to say. God can't be tricked. 
You can't manipulate him. You can't go through motions and, and fool God like you did the magic formula, so now I'm going to give you the thing. You can't manipulate God. He will not be mocked. A man reaps <clears throat> what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good. Paul is saying here we have an opportunity in the small choices that we make day by day, bit by bit, like tiny seeds we're planting in the ground. Over time, we can plant these seeds either in the soil of our flesh and get like really overpowering strong flesh, or we can uh, plant these seeds in, in the spirit and grow stronger spirit. So this is the battle that he's, he's been talking about. He just got done talking about earlier in the chapter, this battle that wages between flesh and spirit. In other words, let's put it this way. Who you are today, what your struggles are today, what your successes are today, are in part a result of the choices you made yesterday, right? You planted seeds. Those seeds result in, they produce something, right? They grow, they sprout. So, so what you're reaping today is in part the result of where you sowed seed yesterday, the day before, the day before that, the day before that, the year before that, the year before that, right? Uh, part of your struggles now are the result of that. Now, the good news is, here, is that you can change your future. So when we're talking about tomorrow, you can begin to sow differently right now, right? The future is not set in stone. The future is open. You can start sowing seed right now, moving forward, so your tomorrow doesn't have to look the same as it did yesterday. That's a lie of the devil. See, that will tell you tomorrow is going to be the same as yesterday. This is as good as it gets. Don't even try anymore. That is a satanic lie. It's one of his greatest lies, as good as it gets. I hate those words. That is a satanic lie, that tomorrow has to be the same. No, no, no. The best news of all here is that you're not doing this by yourself. We're not doing this by our own strength alone, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, Paul said over in Philippians, I can do all things through my great willpower and reading a lot of good books. No, through Christ who strengthens me. What a wonderful picture of the fruit that's hanging on to the vine. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm just the fruit. He's the vine, right? Amen. He's the vine. Through the Holy Spirit, I actually have hope that self-control is possible. And I'm speaking to myself, and I hope this speaks to you, this blesses you. He helps me through his infilling he helps me directly that way. He also helps me indirectly. You know, the Lord helps you indirectly in ways too. That is through the word of Christ as we read our Bibles. He helps us through the support of our community. Those are ways that the Spirit also helps us. But in any given situation, I do have a choice. Now, I will, let's just face it, because of the battle of the flesh, I will occasionally make the wrong choice. But I can increasingly make the right choice, right? That's growth. That's what it means to grow. Now, million-dollar question that we ask every week. How do we do this? How do we do this? Well, I want to point you to uh, some words of Paul. He wrote in his letter to Timothy. He gives us a real battle plan in how to walk this out. In 2 Timothy 2.22, 
He says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Just commit this scripture to memory, right? It's an easy one to remember. Look at all the twos. 2 Timothy 2.22. 2 Timothy 2.22. You'll, you'll, hopefully you'll never forget that. 2 Timothy 2.22. Notice with me, there's three huge components here. What does he say? Flee, pursue, and along with. There's something to, one, to, to, to run away from. There's something to run toward. And there's someone to run with. 2 Timothy 2.22. There's something we're going to flee. We're going to run away from. There's something we're going to run toward. There's someone we're going to run with. First, flee of all. First of all, our evil desires. He says, flee the flesh. The flesh. In the Greek, it's this word sarks. It just means just all the stuff that you just want because you're a human being. You know, it doesn't make you like evil just because you're human. You're a human being. It's all this stuff that our flesh wants, which is really interesting because if you remember, some of you might know or be thinking, when it comes to a satanic attack, the Bible says resist the devil and what? He will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. It's like Paul's going, Satan, that's easy. That's a cakewalk. You resist the devil and he's out of here, right? When it comes to my own flesh, Paul says, you run away. You run away. Don't just be like, go ahead, flesh. Tempt me. Do your worst. (laughs) No, no, no. I will go boldly into this place of temptation of mine to prove how amazingly spiritual and faith-filled I am, right? I'm going to go hang out at the mall even though I have a shopping problem or, or surf Amazon even though I really have this problem buying stuff just to show how non-materialistic I really am. I'll hang out at the bar after work even though I'm an alcoholic. I'm going to hang out there just to show that I don't have to drink. Actually, the wisdom of the Spirit, what we learn here, the wisdom of the Spirit is not to lead you into temptation so that you can prove how spiritually strong you are. The wisdom of the Spirit is to lead you away from temptation. Isn't that just exactly what Jesus, how he taught us to pray, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, how am I delivered from evil? By being led not into temptation in the first place, right? This is what we pray. This should be our heart. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. This is being a person of wisdom. And so self-control is not about getting ourselves into the middle of sinful situations and declaring, I have the spirit, I have self-control. I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. It's the control, it's the self-control to say no to the area of temptation. Because guess what? We're never actually promised in Scripture that we won't be tempted. We're never promised in Scripture that that thing in your life, that you'll ever get strong enough to just never be tempted. It may always be a temptation to you. Okay? I'm just telling you like it is. It may always be a temptation to you. What Scripture promises is you in a way of escape. Right? Right. So the wisdom of self-control leads us away. So what we're talking about here is the earlier choice. I like to call it the pre-choice. This is the pre-choice away from the later choice that's much more likely to end in failure. 
the pre-choice. Let's take a, a look at a few more kind of practical examples of what this might look like. Running away from those temptations of the flesh. So ask yourself this question. Here's the question. Ask yourself, when am I most likely to make poor choices? When is it most likely to happen? Let's start there. What environments uh, do I need, maybe need to avoid? I read one therapist uh, Kent said this can be summarized in the acronym, and this is pretty brilliant to me, the acronym HALT. When am I most vulnerable? When I'm hungry, when I'm angry, when I'm lonely, when I'm tired. We're most vulnerable in these areas, right? Many of us, some, some people's more than others. I'm definitely one, two, three, and four. I'm, yes, <laughs> yes, I would say yes. When I'm hungry, when I'm angry, when I'm lonely, when I'm tired, these are moments when I have to be more alert. I have to be most alert. I have to say either how can I avoid those situations? How can I make a pre-choice to avoid those situations? Set myself up for success, right? Before I find myself hungry, alone, lonely, and tired, and I'm in the middle of it, right? So the fleeing, he says, flee from these things, flee from the fresh. The running away from these situations may actually involve doing some, some preparation ahead of time. Preparation, to set yourself up for success. Uh, that may mean, you know, if you're like me, not buying the family-sized bag of Doritos <laughs> and just hoping late at night, I probably, maybe I won't go snack on them and eat the whole thing. Maybe, <laughs> it could happen tonight. Maybe don't buy them, right? So set yourself up for success. For some of you, um, we're just being real, right? The, the first thing you need to do when you get out of here today is go buy anti-porn software, right? Guys, some of you just need to do that. Um, and stop kidding yourself that you're just going to keep saying no without some help, right? Uh, you do that while you're sane and motivated, right? Because you don't, you don't wait till you're alone and tired because then you're not going to make the same choice. Um, some of you, it's giving someone else charge of your credit cards for a little while. I've known friends uh, here who have made this mature decision to, for a season, to live out of envelopes for a season of life. They, they give her the cards, they, it's cash only envelopes and divided into these like budgetary items. And then when the cash is out, it's done. You know, there's just no more spending, um, no credit cards. And they create this whole new way of, of being, being self-aware of how they spend their money, either uh, out of, in a loving way or a selfish way. It's pretty brilliant. Um, for some of you, it's saying, uh, I'm going to go a season where I just stop blogging or I stop posting, updating my social media. I'm going to go a season where I just stop because social media for me has all been all about self-expression, which self-expression can be great, right? You might have a great thing to put out there in the world, but you know, if that's your area of weakness, then, you know, if I just, I just got to jump on Twitter to express all my opinions on current events. I just got to express, express. If that's your default, then maybe you need to set yourself a time of fasting for a season. Now, for other people, it could be the reverse. Maybe you're not, you don't get on social media to express. You go on Facebook or Instagram or these kind of things so that you can click on picture after picture of other people's lives that may seem more interesting to you. And so you have to say no, because I'm going to say no to this because I'm not expressing, but I've become this voyeur and it doesn't lead me to happy places. 
of just living this life of comparison. And it works against what the Holy Spirit wants to do in me. These are just possibilities, the different ways the Holy Spirit can work with us. For some of you, it might be actual places you need to avoid going. It might be actual people. You just need to say no to hanging out with. Um, it's not that you're, you know, you're not going to love them. You're not being mean, but you're just not going to hang out with these, these folks or go to these places that lead you into temptation. Uh, for some of us, we just need more rest. We need to go to bed earlier, right? There, isn't it interesting? There's a whole lot of things we can do. The Holy Spirit might prompt us to do that don't sound really super spiritual, Right? Like, well, that doesn't sound like super spiritual, but yeah, it may be the thing that saves your life and the Holy Spirit is going, here's the life preserver. Go to bed earlier, get more rest because you're killing yourself, right? For some people, it is, it's unfriending that person who is just toxic and you worried about what they think about you just rents way too much space in your head. Now, one word of caution here. When you cut something out of your life, or even if you're just fasting for a season, fasting is not fun. Almost never. I've never really had a whole lot of fun fasting. Um, the, the, The author, Tim Chester, he writes, we're likely to feel loss, even grief, when we think about what we must do to starve our sinful desires. They can seem like old friends whom we've loved for many years, and nobody likes killing off their best friends. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? So you actually start to feel like when you say no to some of these things in your life, it feels like a part of you is dying and it's called the flesh and it's good that it dies. It's good. In fact, Jesus says it may even feel like an amputation a bit over in Matthew chapter five. Like there's a part of you you're cutting off. He says, if your hand continually wants to do the wrong thing or if your eye continually wants to view the wrong thing, cut it off, pluck it out. And he's speaking uh, metaphorically here. He's using very typical rabbinic hyperbole. Nobody speaking to Jesus, uh, listening to Jesus would have believed he was telling them to go maim themselves. But it's vivid imagery here. This is the way the rabbis would speak. If something continually is leading you into these spaces, if it's continually leading you astray, practice radical separation from temptation. Radical separation from temptation. And yeah, it may feel like an amputation, like a part of me is gone. This thing, it's like, it's almost like it's formed part of my self-identity and God just has to like recreate me. He's got to like reconstruct what he's cut out. So we have something to run away from. But Paul also says that's not the whole picture. Our, our whole life is not just spent running from things, right? We also have something to run toward, to pursue He says we run toward, we pursue, we fill our life with righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And he says we do it along with folks who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That's the community of faith, right? It's almost as if Paul were saying, guys, nobody walks alone, right? That's good. We should put that on a t-shirt, right? No one walks alone. Why? Because that would be foolish. That's silly. That's doing it the hard way. Why would you walk alone? You're not meant for it. So, so what does running toward things look like? I'll mention a few things just really quickly here. Uh, we won't go through, through this list, and, but we'll see one of the things that these things have in common. Here we go. They're on screen. Uh, is these are really just spiritual disciplines. These are spiritual disciplines. These are rhythms and routines, and some might call them liturgies. These are things that they're, they're keystone habits 
that you, you form, that with the Holy Spirit's help, we can develop these things in our life. <clears throat> we can become flourishing followers of Christ. So we have things like togethering, studying, praying, meditating, fasting, resting, that's good, serving, celebrating, we do that together, giving, witnessing. These are things that we run toward, right? And these are themes that we have returned to <clears throat> over and over in this church over, over the years. But I just want to point out real quickly that first, very first discipline, I think is one of the most important. I call it togethering, togethering, which traditionally might be called a fellowship or community. It's for us to say, I'm going to make it a point to be real with people, to do life with other people. At Generations, that happens in a number of different ways. We do it through our home life groups. We have other small group ministries too that meet, huddle up together during the week. We have men's Bible and breakfast that meet uh, on some Saturdays. And these are the spaces, these are opportunities for us to say, I don't want to walk alone. I'm tired of kidding myself that I can do this thing by myself. I don't want to walk alone. Uh, I want to be real, right? And, and it's, it, these, are, these are spaces where we don't just show up and learn more information, kind of like we're doing right now. We're learning some good information right now, right? This is good, but it's different from this. This is where we actually get face-to-face -face with each other. And we say, I need others in my life. I need help. I need prayer. I need advice, right? I need insight. I need accountability from people who I can trust. Advice from people who are wiser than me, who've gotten further along in this thing than I have. Whatever it may be. Paul says, flee the evil desires of youth. Pursue righteousness, peace, etc. Along with, the, the, the running along with, the along with is so important. Who are we running with? Can I just say this before we finish too? I mentioned that we can't judge uh, others uh, by their area of, of self-control. But even, let me say this, even as we judge ourselves, we assess ourselves, I encourage you to not define yourself by your failures. Okay? Don't define yourself by your failures. Define yourself by what Christ is doing in you, where he is bringing you forward, where he is growing you. He is growing you, right? Look to the successes. We can say, don't, don't measure success by the absence of failure. We don't do that. In other words, every time you practice self-control, every time, every time there's a wrestling and you say no to that temptation, do you know that is a moment of worship? Yeah. You were honoring God in that moment. That is a moment of honoring God. And you may do that dozens of times a day and then fail. But rather than then define your day as, well, another day of failure. I screwed up again today. I think God looks down in his grace and his love. He looks down the way a parent would look down on their own child. I think he looks down and says, yeah, but you honored me so much today. Look at how many times you honored me. It's not how much did I screw up today or this week as if God's got his glasses down and he's got his little pad. He's watching. We have that picture of God sometimes. 
He's waiting for our next screw up. Living out of the fruit of self-control is seen in the successes in your life. It's seen in the successes. That's the growth that's happening. You know, learning to ride a bike isn't defined by your falls. It's defined by the, the growing number of stretches in between the falls, right? If you're learning and you're doing good and you fall down one day, you don't go, well, I still don't know how to ride a bike. No, 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 you're doing great. You just fell. Just get back up, right? Growing in self-control is not about achieving a, a lack or a complete absence of failure. You define yourself as the person who is moving forward. You're becoming more and more like Jesus with the help of your community. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. We're growing into the image of God that he created you to be, right? Yes. Now, you, you can stagnate if you just let yourself. You can stagnate, and, but, but failure isn't what this is all about. That's not what we focus on. And yes, you may fail again in that area, but don't let the enemy, listen, don't let the enemy accuse you to death. That's his job. He called the accuser for a reason. He wants to accuse you to death, to death. Instead, you say, I start afresh, honoring God right now, today, right this moment. I am starting, I'm worshiping God because this is who I am. It is for this I was created. It is for this that God saved me. I am a son or a daughter of my heavenly father who enables me. It is his spirit that feeds me. Remember, we talked a couple weeks ago, Christ has grafted us into Israel. And what does Israel mean? Struggle, if you remember. Struggle. You've been grafted into the struggle. Every time we say no to the flesh, every time we say yes to the spirit, that is worship. And worship is the struggle. That is worship. Amen. Well, as we close this down today and we close our series, I want to ask you to just contemplate a few simple questions. What does it look like for you to run in the right direction? As you're sitting there thinking, what does it look like to start running away from what's wrong? What does it look like to start running toward what's right? What does it look like to to run with the right people? Starting right now with the help of the Holy Spirit, let's choose to run away from temptation to run toward Jesus, and to run with our spiritual family. What does each of these things look like to you? And I encourage you to really, as you're sitting there, answer these things, either to yourself or jot them down or text them to yourself or something, but really be thinking about these because I believe that God has already been speaking to you. Probably when this sermon started, you thought, oh, okay, this this is going to address that area of my life. And remember, it's not just the sin we want to stop. It's not just, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm never going to do that again. No, no, no. It's how do I avoid the temptation? How can I avoid the temptation? How do I run away from the very temptation itself? It's that pre-choice before the choice, the wise choice that you make now that, to help you run away from the temptation to sin later on. And what is God nudging you to begin doing, to begin running toward, how to, how to begin running toward Jesus? What are some of those lifestyle changes? those spiritual disciplines, those keystone habits, those little liturgies. That word liturgies, you know, it comes from the Latin. It literally just means the work of the people. That's just the work that we do, the stuff that we do to, to help keep ourselves on track. And then thirdly, who? Who can I talk to about this? 
Who can I involve in my life? Is, is there somebody in your home life group? Is there somebody in your Bible study? Your circle of mature, godly friends. Maybe it's a pastor. Um, who can you make this relational with? Because no one should walk alone. Nobody. God has designed you to live in the ecosystem of spiritual community. That's the way you were, you were created to live. So who are you going to talk to about this? Amen. Well, after eight weeks, we finally get to close this series, I think in a very fitting way, uh, and that is with communion this morning. So if you have your communion elements, you can be getting those out and ready. Um, if you need some, there's some on the tables over there. Uh, there might be some, I think, uh, back there on the little, there's a little table. If you're watching us live streaming at home, uh, feel free to join along with us. Just grab a little cracker and some juice, and, and uh, we will do this together. Um, this, is, this beautiful act is, is a gift that the Lord gave us. Uh, and through this beautiful act, he, we get to celebrate how Jesus has grafted us into himself. He's made us a part of the family of God. He's gifted us our salvation. And you know, it is only through this sacrifice that he made on the cross that we're able to talk about any of this with any hope. It's only through that that we're able to grow spiritual fruit, that we're not just left on our own to use willpower. We are able through Christ to enter into this partnership whereby the Spirit nourishes us and leads us and empowers us, and we get to say yes. We get to say yes. We can actually bear much fruit. You know, it's a promise. He said, if you abide in me and I bind you, you will bear much fruit. It is a promise from the Son of God himself. So we choose. Our part is to, we choose to hang on. We're that little fruit and we're hanging on. We get to celebrate together in communion, this opportunity to celebrate what he's done for us, to express our gratitude. This is also a really tangible way that we, we can actually take into our bodies this symbol of his body, his blood, making us mindful that he truly abides in us. Amen. Lord Jesus, we take this cup and this bread, we do this in remembrance of what you accomplished for us on the cross, Lord. Thank you for salvation, for healing. I thank you, Lord God, for restoration of our relationships in our life. And Lord, you have gifted us with such an incredible sense of, of purpose that we don't live purposeless lives anymore, Lord God. We have great meaning. We get to live out our lives in reflection of you. We get to represent your love and the hope of the gospel to a desperate world. We thank you for this, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, the body of Christ broken for you. May that bring healing and wholeness to you right now, right there where you're sitting. In Jesus' name. The blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. May that bring freedom, transformation to your soul this morning.
Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for sending us your spirit, that you fill us with your character, that you are growing in us good fruit, that you're giving us all that we need to live the life that you called us to live, Lord God. I pray that you would give us sort of a, a fresh vision, a fresh new appreciation for what you have done for us, a gratitude, Lord God, that runs deep, that you have not given up on us, that you have a kind of faith in us, Lord God, that calls us to a great faith in you. Father, I ask that you would help us, uh, give us a vision for the partnership, Lord God, that mission that you call us into, the life that we can live with you, Lord God. I thank you, God, that you are enough. You're all that we need. All the things that we crave and we go through life hungering for, Lord God, you are sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. And I thank you, Lord God, that you care enough about us not to leave us just the way we are, but to love us and challenge us toward growth, towards maturity, towards becoming all that you want us to be. We welcome your conviction as well as your encouragement. Move in us, Spirit of God. Move us towards Jesus. And in the name of the crucified and resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, will you stand to your feet with me, friends? Our prayer partners are coming forward right now to pray with you. If there's anything at all that you need something, uh, someone to pray with you about, whatever's going on in your life, I encourage you to come and let these guys know they will to pray with you in faith whether it's something in your body, in your mind, in your relationships, in your environment, whatever's going on, let them pray with you. If you want to say yes to Jesus today for the very first time, what a great day to do that. Come forward, let them pray with you. They would love to. If you want to send us a prayer request, we have a whole prayer chain of folks who just fly into action as soon as they get your prayer request and pray for you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So, my friends, may the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be yours this week. And may you go forth and bear much fruit empowered by his Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Grace and peace. Bye-bye. <laughs>